Blog Talk Radio. by Health Innovation Media, monitoring the innovation impulse from idea to business model and emerging best practices. Welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show. And joining me in the virtual studio is my colleague, Fred Goldstein, principal co-host and co-founder of Pop Health Week. Greetings, Fred. Hello, Greg. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, and thanks for joining today. Glad you could make it. I know you're sort of on the road. For those of you not familiar with my colleague, he is a veteran healthcare executive and the president of Accountable Health, LLC, a co-sponsor of this broadcast. Fred's experience <clears throat> spans hospital and health system administration, HMO general management, the founder of disease management company, and he's also a board member of the Population Health Alliance, also known as PHA, an industry go-to gathering standard for those in the emerging space of pop health. My background includes leadership and consulting support for hospitals, health systems, capitated medical groups, IPAs, PHOs, MSOs, and several hospital physician joint ventures. I publish and principally author ACOWatch.com, lead the efforts at healthinnovationmedia.com, and I'm known on Twitter as at 2 Guru. Today we continue our exploration into population health, accountable care, and health reform writ large with the Honorable Tommy Thompson. Tommy, governor Tommy Thompson served as governor of the state of Wisconsin from 1987 to 2001, is the longest-serving governor in state history. From 2001 to 2005, he served as the secretary of Health and Human Services under George W. Bush. After his time in the Bush administration, he served as a partner in the law firm Aiken Gump and chairman of Deloitte's Global Healthcare Practice. He's also served on the board of 22 organizations. Governor Thompson has a wealth of knowledge regarding healthcare, Medicare, and prevention. While secretary, he launched initiatives to increase funding for the National Institutes of Health, reorganized the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to encourage greater responsiveness and efficiency and clear the backlog of waivers and state health plan amendments. He approved 1,400 state plans and waiver requests and thereby provided health insurance to 1.8 million lower-income Americans. In the aftermath of 9-11, he also worked on strengthening the nation's preparedness for a bioterrorism attack by stockpiling smallpox vaccines and investing heavily in state and public health infrastructure. So with that abbreviated tour of an amazing career, Fed, over to you. Help us get to know Governor Tommy Thompson. Great. Thank you so much, Greg. Go ahead, Tommy. Let me me, 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 me
uh, working with my very good friend Brett Goldstein and setting up this program. It's a wonderful program, a wonderful idea. And uh, what you and the friend are doing on health initiatives and innovations is fantastic. And both of you are leaders in the health field. So I feel very honored to be on your program this afternoon and looking forward to just a, a very spirited discussion on how we can work together to improve health care for all Americans in the future. So thank you both. Well, thank you for those kind comments, Governor. And really, the honor's all ours to have you on. Thank you so much, and we really appreciate your years of service. I thought we would begin, you know, obviously you've been around politics for a long, long time. And uh, I'm sure as you've watched with the Affordable Care Act, it's out there now. What are some of your thoughts regarding the Affordable Care Act and some of the efforts by Congress, et cetera? Well, it's it's not as good as uh, as the proponents say it is, and it's not as bad as the opponents say it is. So uh, let's let's take a look at the fact that the Affordable Care Act has been up in front of the United States Supreme Court uh, twice now, and it's been ruled constitutional. Uh, whether or not you agree with that either one of those decisions or both of them or neither one, the truth of the matter is the Affordable Care Act is here, and President Obama is going to be president for another at least eighteen months, and. Uh, He's not going to allow anything to damage his uh, signature uh, initiative. So uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act is here to stay, and now what we should be looking at instead of uh, repealing it or abolishing it is how do we improve it? How do we make it better? I think there's many ways that we can improve the Affordable Care Act and make it more accountable. What really went wrong is Congress never looked at the cost, and now we have to take a look at the cost. How can we we find... uh, a system that, that's better. Let's take uh, just five quick ones. Number one, let's change our, our health care system from a disease system to a wellness system. Uh, 90% of the dollars spent in health care, almost $3 trillion, that goes to prevent people from getting further sick after they get sick instead of helping people prevent from getting sick in the first place. It's a disease system such as a health system. That's number one. Number two, let's take a look at how we can get paper out of the system. You know, we uh, the uh, agencies spend so much money on putting out forms and rules and regulations. Let's streamline it. We got everybody's now somewhat becoming computer literate. Let's uh, get back and, and start eliminating the paper, and make it more efficient. Number three, let's let's let people buy health insurance wherever they can find it. Let's not limit it to state by state. Let's get uh, health insurance just like apples, tomatoes, bananas, new cars. You know, whatever you want to do, you can buy on the internet. And find out, uh, you know, how, what's the cheapest, what's the best plan for you. So that's another one. Number four, let's take a look at education. You know, most people are not picking up their drugs after they're prescribed and uh, not taking their medicine. So let's find a way in which we can increase education for the c- consumer so that when they walk out of the doctor's office, they know that the doctor has given them a medicine. They should pick it up and use it according to the doctor's wishes. Let's start using education uh, and you and I have been very much involved in that, Fred, so that we can really start uh, have, having people, you know, understand what is wrong with them and how they can uh, repair themselves and get better. And number five, let's really take a look at, at wellness. You know, there's so many ways. You know, it's, it's really crazy uh, that Medicare does not <laughs> allow for uh, prescription drugs to be paid for and compensated on the Medicare system to get rid of obesity. Uh, and we all know we have a, a, a fatness problem in America, which co- contributes to a lot of diseases. 
And uh, we could do that, and yet we pay for just about everything else, but we don't pay for something that's really going to save us money in the future. Just, you know, just easy things like that that's going to save billions of dollars and make the system that much better. And, of course, the big one is fraud and, uh, fraud and abuse of the system. we gotta, we got to get fraud under control. And we can do all of these things and make the Affordable Care Act better and make the health care system better and make people in the United States healthier and uh, let, let's get on with it. That's fantastic. A number of those ideas were around prevention. Do you think politically, given the partisanship we're seeing on the Hill, um, w- we can get to any of this stuff, or is it just going to continue to be a battle? I don't think so. You know, I'm, I'm much more optimistic than, um, uh, than uh, what you're reading in the paper or seeing on television. I, you know, we got a, we got a presidential election. I think it behooves all of us as citizens now uh, to be talking to our individual candidates on both sides of the aisle and say, you know, let's get on with it. The Affordable Care Act is here. Now let's fix it. Let's make it work. Let's make it more efficient. Let's get wellness and prevention front and center. Wellness and prevention is not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's an American issue. We spend way too much. We're too fat. We spend too much on chronic illnesses. We still smoke too much. And we do things that are going to adversely impact our personal health and therefore drive up the cost. I think we can make this a central issue in the presidential and the congressional and senatorial campaigns this year. And I'm, I'm going to be part of that, and I hope you are, Fred, and know that you will be, and you too, Greg. So thank you for asking the question. But that's what I, I really think. It's, a, it's the time to act and the time to be involved. It, if, we, if we do this... It, Obviously, the goal of this is to is to to bend trend and create a uh, you know a healthier country. Do you see um, efforts? You know, obviously, a, a bunch of these issues are beyond the healthcare system. There's there there are social determinants and out in the community. Um, are you are you thinking we can get to the point where we begin to integrate some of those other programs to our thinking versus just looking at the care perspective? Oh, absolutely. You know, people are are wanting to be healthy and. I mean, you can't pick up a, a newspaper, a magazine, uh, or listen to television unless there's some ads out there talking about improving your health. It, it, you know, there isn't a magazine pick up that doesn't really somehow relate that or a TV program. So let's let's start, you know, getting people educated. We need we need people to understand about themselves. And people are, individuals are now looking at the computer to find out when they go see a doctor, if the doctor really diagnosed their, their uh, ailments correctly. Uh, and now we've got to convince them not only to look it up, but then when the doctor prescribes medicine, to go to the drugstore and pick it up. 50% of the people that they have uh, prescribed medicines six months after they have the prescription don't use it anymore. Uh, I mean, just that alone would improve the quality of health. Secondly, Let's pay for some of these drugs that are going to improve the diets and the obesity. So let's have let's have hospitals, you know, get, reach out in the in the communities and talk about wellness and prevention and nutrition. Let's start teaching nutrition in our medical schools, and we'll we'll have doctors that are better educated in helping people. Let's start, you know, using the you know the education system, and you're involved with a company, and so am I, Fred, that really wants to make this front and center. And and I think we can. And that education system is so important to get people health literate. And that's that's a problem we have in America, but it's a, it's a big problem, but it's one that's solvable. 
And that's what you and I want to be able to accomplish. And I'm glad Greg, is, your partner, will also be helping us do that. Sure. So let's talk a little about this issue you've you've gotten involved with, and obviously you've been involved in a number of issues of smoking, um, obesity for uh, many many years, and now you're looking right. at health literacy. Tell us a little bit about why health literacy and the importance of that issue. Well, uh, just you know, I, I look at big drivers. Uh, a big big one, biggest driver, you know, still is is, is smoking. Uh, I mean, we could we could save billions of dollars if we could control people from from smoking. And we all know it causes cancer. Uh, we also know that obesity causes huge problems on uh, about one-third of the cancers. And uh, we also know it's, uh, it's a driving force for type 2 diabetes. And what is the biggest epidemic we have in America today is type 2 diabetes. So let's get, let's get our diet under control. Let's educate people about that. And uh, our our little company that's putting out information about that is going to be very helpful. And let's also, you know, allow the Medicare system to pay for obesity drugs so that people that really have a, a problem with their with their health conditions and the metabolic systems that they have inherited from their uh, forefathers and their, from mother and father and grandparents, let's let's allow medicine to be used. We we allow for medicine for high blood pressure. Uh, for any kinds of, of diseases, and the uh, and the Medicare uh, system pays for it. But on obesity, they say, no, we can't do it. Yet the Institute of Medicine and the American Medical Association have all classified obesity as a disease now. So they've recognized it. America needs to recognize it. We need to educate America and our congressmen and senators about that, and we can solve it. And then, you know, uh, just the fact that people are not literate it's probably one of the biggest reasons that it's driving the cost of the healthcare system. Uh, roughly figured about $250 billion is because people don't understand their bodies, don't understand the healthcare system, don't listen to the doctors. In fact, about 80% of the information given to a doctor, uh, given out by the doctor to a patient, is forgotten by the time that the individual patient gets to the uh, parking lot after, uh, after they've seen their doctor. Wow, that's a pretty amazing statistic. So I know you know you talked about obesity, and I know you you have a number of businesses and companies you work with. Um, I remember once you telling a story about uh, one of the efforts you were doing at one of your companies for the employees and their lunches. Could you tell the audience that story a little bit about that? Yeah, I, 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 I love this story because it, it works. You know, I told one of my companies that I'm on the board. I said, well, let's let's really do something about nutrition. And so let's, let's have two, uh, two lines in the cafeteria, one in which uh, the company will subsidize, and you can buy salads, lettuces, vegetables, and, uh, and fruits, and we will subsidize it so you can get a, a very good lunch uh, for a buck. And then for those that want uh, to think, eat things, you know, that uh, are more uh, detrimental to their health, uh, let's charge, you know, more for it. So let's charge 15 bucks for a hamburger and 10 cents for every French fry they take. And let's subsidize so that if you have salads and fruits and vegetables, you pay for your whole lunch for a buck. It was amazing just doing that, <laughs> that you were able to have a, a, an impact on the, the employees. They, was, they were going through the healthy line day in and day out. 
Uh, maybe they would, you know, uh, one day a week decide that they'd go through and have a hamburger or, or a pizza. But basically they, they were able to see the economic realities and wanted to be healthier at the same time. So it does work. And we can, we can do those kind of things across America and make America healthier, save money, and be happier at the same time. Wow, it's a, it's a fantastic story, and I think you know we've seen a lot of employers now moving into these various incentive programs and trying to drive better behavior, make the healthy choice the simple choice, get people to take the stairs, et cetera. One of the areas of difficulty, Governor, maybe you could comment on is it's been it's been a lot of that's been driven by the private sector or private health insurance, but it seems to be a little bit more difficult to get those kinds of programs into, say, Medicare, Medicaid. Do you think we'll begin to see that loosen up a little bit to allow some more flexibility in those types of programs? Well, I think what, I think it, you know you've come to the situation where Medicare and Medicaid cannot keep going the way they are. Uh, you know the. the the more diseases out there, the more health conditions that are exacerbated, cost the Medicare and Medicaid system billions of dollars. And what's going broke? Medicare's going broke. We all know that. And wouldn't it be smarter to look at the Medicare system and say, you know, let's start making the Medicare system be the biggest driver. It, it affects about 18% of the expenditures in the healthcare system today, Medicare does. But it drives about 42 to 45% of the decision-making by the other payers. In other words, insurance companies look to the Medicare system, to what they're paying for and so on and so forth, uh, to use in their rules and regulations. So Medicare has a tremendous impact on the overall payment system for healthcare. And since the Medicare system is going broke and it's spending lots of money, uh, on things that are not really improving your health, Fred, or your parents' health, or your family's health, and let's do something. And I think this is the time when we're looking at how do we how do we save Medicare? Well, we save Medicare by first getting rid of the, well, a huge amount of the fraud and abuse of the system, which a lot of people are working on, and, and rightly so. Secondly, let's use the Medicare system to, like we did in the private sector, to change the eating conditions of some of our employees in one of our businesses, but let's do something about the Medicare system to improve, you know, the quality of health and, and pay for things that are going to make you and me stronger and better and healthier. And uh, one of those is obesity drugs. Second one would be to making sure that uh, the kinds of conditions that are out there, that we stimulate uh, innovations and uh, innovations in uh, a lot of things. And third, you know, where, where's health care going? You know, and the Walmarts, the, the uh, uh, Walgreens, and so on are really getting into the field of, of health care. Let's start using that as a way to, to make things, makes people better educated in, in their system. Let's start using nurses you know, for they're highly trained and, and they can be uh, so useful in the healthcare system. And we have a, a definitely a, a a scarcity of general practitioners and internships, interns. And so we need we need uh, you know doctors, but we also need nurses to have more 
responsibility and promises. We can do all of this, and the Medicare system can play a role in setting up innovation and really getting us better educated and using the power of the purse for innovations in the healthcare system. So I think it's, a, you know, when the system's going broke, now's the time for us to act and really overhaul it and make it much more responsive to the individual needs of our citizenry. So what would you recommend that, that we in the industry do to try and help or to push some of these ideas through around prevention, changing the system, et cetera? Well, I think, first off, you and Greg are doing a great job by, by putting uh, me on your program, and not just me because I'm I'm Tommy Thompson, but you're putting other programs on a weekly basis to talk about Healthcare and educating the public. We're never going to solve the problem until we start, you know, energizing America and wanting to do something about themselves and their conditions and the healthcare system in general. And you're doing that, Greg's doing that, and the companies that you're with are doing that. I just don't think that we have a very good coordinated plan. Uh, amongst companies uh, in America to to really do a job on wellness and prevention. It's always been the system where we wait till people get sick and then we pay for them to get well. And we don't use anything to keep them out of the hospital and so on. And that's where, you know, we need to educate America and coordinate with the payers and the providers on the healthcare system. Uh, we need to go to the hospital. What's the first thing you smell when you go into a hospital? It's pizza. I mean, since when is pizza a good health food for hospitals to, to be, to be uh, disseminating? But, but that's what you smell when you go into a hospital. Uh, what are we doing about uh, having the government take a stronger stand on, on tobacco and, and, and stop smoking, cessation of smoking? Uh, we're starting to, but it's not very coordinated. Let's, let's do something about that. Uh, let's you know. Let's start doing something about how do we prevent people from coming down with the cancers and and getting people uh, you know to exercise. How can we get the governments you know to make biking paths and walking paths and and so on in our communities where it's sometimes dangerous to be out to be protected and make sure people get a chance to exercise. There's so many things and we just we we're very fragmented. The whole healthcare system is fragmented. And we need people like you two leaders to help coordinate and get the information out there. And maybe, you know, the our our new company on uh, education is uh, maybe one of the one of the solutions. I believe it is. You know, having people people love to play games and uh, gamifying, you know, wellness and prevention is a is a good indication that a good way really to uh, to make people better educated and want to do something about their personal health. We're never going to get it unless we start have a coordinated effort in getting people to buy in to our to a system of taking care of themselves, getting wellness and prevention uh, front and center, and really start doing something about chronic illnesses and doing things that are going to make individuals healthier. It's just fantastic. I know you were. I believe you were the the first secretary to ban smoking at HHS. Is that correct? <laughs> I didn't ban it, but I, I, I uh, because, uh, but I really expanded it. I, I expanded the, the places where they could uh, limit the places where they could smoke, and I, I patrolled the areas, and, 
I did something in the department, you know, that I got <laughs> my security was a little bit <laughs> uh, just a chatting with me, concerned because I'd go and take cigarettes out of my employees' uh, mouths and tell them that we love them and the department needs them, their family needs them, they shouldn't be smoking. I got <laughs> I got some scares. I got some uh, a few. Uh, uh, <laughs> choice words, and uh, I got uh, uh, slapped once or twice, but and uh, I did it to some employees who were not Department of Health and Human Services. Didn't go down very, very nicely, but I, but I was saying, you know, we love you. The department loves you. Your family needs you. You should not be smoking. And one day I was uh, a cute story. One day I was walking around the corner, and there's a gentleman who had been working for the department for a long time. Uh, <laughs> Saw me coming, didn't know what he was doing. He had his he had his little cigarette, so he put it in his pocket and caught his pocket on fire. And uh, <laughs> it came back to me, came back to me that he quit smoking that day. And uh, he did uh, contact me and said uh, uh, when I retired from the department that he uh, appreciated the fact that I was the uh, uh, I was the catalyst to make him stop smoking. He felt better. And he knew he was going to live longer. Oh, those are those are stories, but the truth of the matter is, they work and and they help. And if we take that strong image and do it, and I used to have have employees paint the, the stairwell so that people would walk up the stairwell and you know if you give employees a chance to exhibit their art, then they'll take their friends and their relatives up the stairwell uh, to show off their art and make them walk more. So there are ways in which we can do this and get people active and do things that are not harmful to their health but actually improve their health well that's that's uh great the story and i think um you know what we what the country did around smoking although we still have a ways to go we made some major progress in that and it it seems like we need to obviously make similar efforts around obesity around health literacy and and really recognize that this is a way to raise up communities, individuals in the country ultimately because, the you know, the productivity of our workforce is correlated to the health of our workforce. And I think employers are beginning to understand that. We're seeing a much greater move into population health and programs that are focused on helping individuals make the right choices. But obviously we have a long way to go. I think, you know, the work you've done over the years has just been fantastic. And I certainly hope you, you continue to focus on health literacy and the obesity issue. Are there any other areas you're looking at now or, or considering that are future areas we might want to take a look at? No. I, I, oh, of course. I, you know, there's, there's many areas that, that uh, I said no very quickly, and I, uh, I'm sorry about that. But let me step back. There, There's just so many ways in which we can improve it. Why, why should we spend, you know, a, a, a trillion dollars to get a drug to market? I don't know. Uh, you know it's got to be because of the bureaucratic system. So why don't we, why don't we instead of having three phases for drug development in America, why don't we do just to make it four? Uh, one for safety, one for efficacy, one, you know, to see if it actually does work, and then, then allow the, the drugs to be used sooner and then have a, a, a year review after it's been out to find out how it's doing in, in the general public. And if it's causing harm, then take it off, but actually get drugs to the market sooner in a safe and responsible manner. Uh, let's let's do something about you know Edlogix, which is the company you and I are, are connected with. It's a great little company, and it's uh, if we can get Edlogix involved, you know, and 
trying to make sure that people really understand their health and how they can actually work to improve it. I think people really want to learn. I, I basically believe this, and, and, and we've got to teach them how to learn, but then we also got to teach them how they can do it better. Number three, it's just sad to me that we, we allow this terrible fraud and abuse of the system to continue. I, I, you know, we just got to be able to, to do something about it and, and reduce the fraud and abuse. Number five, you know, why should you limit people from buying health insurance only within their state? Well, I mean, you know, we buy everything else across state lines in America. Why not allow for health insurance to be sold on, on a national basis and be able to have individuals join up with uh, their peers, their their business groups, their social groups, and be able to set up a group and buy health insurance any place that they feel that it's necessary and, and be able to identify their health conditions but also develop their own health insurance policies and programs that's going to benefit themselves, their family, and their groups. Uh, just things right off the top of my head, you know, that would save billions of dollars to make the system much more efficient to to uh, to uh, to implement. Well, uh, I think we're coming up on the end here, Governor, and I'd like to thank you, one, for coming on the show, but also for being an advocate for many, many years for population health, um, you know, wellness, obesity, smoking, and really trying to con get control of some of these issues. And I hope you continue to speak out as we move into this next election cycle. Well, I'm, I'm going to, and, I, and I'm very happy to have you as a friend, Fred. And I, I just want to thank you and Greg once again. You know, this is the kind of education... Uh, this Ed Logic, uh, the company you and I associate with, uh, Fred, is also helpful. But this program, you know, I don't know how many uh, thousands of people you reach, but this is the kind of system, kind of thing that we have to keep doing. So thank you, Fred. Thank you, Greg. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep working together. And let's make a difference in this election this year and make wellness and prevention a crucial issue in America. Well, thank you. And Greg, we'll have to you. Word for today's broadcast, I want to thank, thank our very special guest, the Honorable Tommy Thompson, for his time, insights, and might I say, continued passion today. And do follow him on Twitter. And isn't that awesome? He has a Twitter account at Tommy for Health. And check out one of Governor Thompson's current passions, the Treat and Reduce Obesity Act of 2015. We will post a link to that on our blog, pophealthweek.com. Yes, we do this weekly, even in these lasting long days of uh, summer at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. Join us next week for our continuing deep dive into population health, ACOs, and making a difference in the lives of Americans. Until then, for Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying goodbye now. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health, 
Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.